Welcome to the RockneyCast, a wellness podcast for men to improve the mind, the body, and the spirit. Due to the RockneyCast, I want to share with you the most incredible book that I just read. It's called The Heart of Buddhist Teaching, Transforming Suffering into Liberation, Peace, and Joy by the Buddhist monk Hitch Hick Nat Han. This is probably the only introduction to Buddhism that you will ever need. And I will share with you the first chapter and hopefully whet your appetite for what's in store of this particular book. Friends, we're going to cover the spirit today, in particular, the four noble truths of Buddhism. And after this particular podcast, I think your mind is going to be blown because a lot of you've probably heard about it, but a lot of you have probably thought like, oh, I'm never going to be able to, you know, do this, right? I have no interest in being a Buddhist, but we are going to actually get dive into the four noble truths and you're going to freaking love it. So what are the four noble truths of Buddhism? There are only four, and this is the central aspect of Buddhist teaching. The first is... I'm going to outline them and then do a deep dive into each one. The first is that life is suffering, number one. Number two is to look at the origin of what causes you to stop suffer. And number three, to stop doing those things that make you suffer. And number four, to engage in the eight, the eight noble right paths of Buddhism. And I think a lot of you after listing this are going to be like, oh my God, this is so obvious. But it is an area that I think so many of us actually don't do very well. And we don't really look into the deep causes of what causes us to suffer in mind or body. And as a result, we kind of are in extended suffering. So let's get started with this first part of the Four Noble Truths, that life is suffering. And a lot of you are like, oh my God, why would I want to study a religion that embraces suffering or recognizes suffering? First off, how does the Buddha describe suffering? Well, suffering he describes as something meaning bitter. I guess you could describe it in a lot of different ways. Something that's unpleasant, something that hurts, a general malaise that, that affects either your mind or your body. And you don't need to look very far in the mind to think about the things that cause you suffering, because I think this is where it helps the most. But I think you can also get into the body as well. And of course, the mind and the body are connected. And so there's a linkage between the two. But in terms of the mind, you don't have to look very far to look at those very unpleasant emotions that so many men, of course, humanity experience. The negative emotions of stress, anxiety, sadness, boredom. I think those are the big four, but for a lot of working adults, stress and anxiety are huge. And of course, sadness can be a big issue too. In the body, you don't have to look very far. If something physically hurts you, if it's not performing the way that it should, if you are pleasantly plump, you put on a few pounds, your dad bod is more than just a dad bod, you become a little bit plump and fat. 
that is unpleasant. There are so many sources of misery that affect humanity, and especially as it relates to stress and anxiety. And I think the Buddha recognizes this as a central part of his teaching. Well, why is this so important? Well, first off, what Buddha recognizes this as a universal principle. And what I love about this book by Tick, the heart of Buddhist teaching, transforming suffering into peace, joy, and liberation. It's kind of a how-to book in terms of how to do it. He recognizes this as universal because I think so often, and I'll provide an example from my own life, so often we think it's just us. We're the only ones that are suffering. Everyone else has it really good in the Facebook universe, in the Instagram universe, and we're silently suffering. And I think in particular for professionals, nothing is worse than that kind of chronic, unremitting stress that's associated with a day-to-day -day grind of work and the impact that that can have physi physiologically on your body, this can kill you. It can cause high blood pressure. It can cause all sorts of physical and mental problems related to that is that a lot of times people look to drugs and alcohol to deal with the stress so that they can actually escape. What's the problem there? They're looking outside. In some cases, they'll turn to religion, and I am a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I'm not knocking Christianity. But one critique, of course, Christianity differs um, and, 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 and acknowledges suffering. Of course, there's a suffering of Christ. There's a suffering of individual parishioners. And there's all sorts of Bible lessons on this. However, as far as I can tell, that's not the central teaching of Christianity, that you suffer, that we all suffer. And it's totally natural to suffer. It is part of life. Buddha out and out recognize it. Suffering is life. Now, a lot of you are probably saying, why in the hell would I embrace any religion that celebrates suffering? No, 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 no. This is one of the things that Tich gets into in this book. Tich gets into this book. The whole point of Buddhism isn't that we all should celebrate our suffering. It's just to acknowledge it. It is part of life. And you think of something like stress. So that's kind of the thread that I'm going to develop throughout. All You could do it with other unpleasant mental emotions. And you could also do it with physical ailments that you have as well. But let's talk about stress. Stress, unremitting stress is unpleasant. It's bitter. It does not feel good to be stressed out. And so the wonderful thing about Buddhism in contrast to Christianity is that it gets us to think about what is the cause? What is the origin of my stress? So you start thinking about what's causing this? What within my control is causing me to be stressed out? This is known in the Buddhist tradition as mindfulness. And how do you get to mindfulness? What you do is you stop and you reflect and you think. You can do it through meditation, 
but just to stop, calm, and reflect. And so, for example, if you are really stressed out with a particular career or what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, you got too much to do and not enough time to do about to do it to do it. Well, if you're gonna embrace the 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 teaching of Buddha, you'd get out a piece of paper and start thinking about why don't I have enough time? And I think when you're in the midst of having all of this stuff to do, you just you don't even you don't even think about it. And this this was me in my 30s. I had so much going on, not enough time to do it, and I was completely stressed out all of the time. And, and why is it so important? Because how did I address it? I addressed it through drinking, um, distracting myself, volunteering for too many things. Um, and this caused a lot of problems for me. Now, what do you do when you look at, oh, I don't have enough time? Well, let's think about where can we recover our time? You start thinking about, well, what is the origin of not having enough time? You can get out a piece of paper and think about, one, how am I spending my time throughout the day? Now, if you have an eight to five job, these are, you can't control. If you wanna make this particular amount of money, you gotta go in at eight and you gotta go up at five. Well, then you start thinking about, well, okay, what am I doing with the rest of my time? And how can I be less stressed when I'm at work in this time that I don't have a lot of control over? Well, am I getting enough sleep? Is it a function of I'm just too sleepy? And I just don't have the mental acuity that I should during the day. That might be a cause of my stress. Well, how do I do that? I can get to bed earlier. I have things outside of my work day that I've committed to. Now, this is probably the biggest thing for young dudes in their 20s and 30s. If you get asked to, to volunteer for something that you do not have to do, your boss is not asking you to do it, no one is asking you to do it that can yank your sustenance from you. But it is like a community organization that needs a volunteer, Big Brothers, even, even they can be very laudable organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or any other great organization for a charitable organization. But if you don't have the mental wattage to be able to give that, you are not serving the organization that you're volunteering for. You're not serving for you're not serving the job that you're working at, and you're not serving your loved ones either. You start thinking about, wait a minute, why am I volunteering for this? Why did I say yes to this? These are the things outside of your work schedule that you don't have to do. For me, it was volunteering for some boards that took way too much time. I had no control over. It was after the work day. It affected my rest. And I thought, wow, this is a one origin of me being stressed out is I'm doing things I don't have to do. Number two, where, where are those blocks of restful time that you can find? Well, there's a giant block of time in the early morning that you can tap. It's a huge resource. It's the early morning hours, morning pages. Do this every morning. Getting to sleep earlier will allow you to get up early, which is this huge, big chunk of time that you have that you can tap into. So you start thinking about this, and a lot of this is obvious, but you're not really thinking about it. If you're anxious, start thinking about what are the causes of my anxiety? 
Is it because I'm, I have too much to do? Am I not doing something that I'm made to do? Maybe I'm in an accountant field and I'm not a good accountant. Maybe I'm a medical doctor and it turns out I'm not, maybe I've chosen the wrong vacation. Maybe I am drinking too much. That is a huge one with anxiety that a lot of times people don't think about, that they drink to stop their anxiety. But in, in essence, you're robbing Peter and paying Paul because that anxiety is going to be twice as bad the next day. Start thinking about why is this happening? And this is the process of mindfulness. You're constantly thinking about what are those things that I can control that I can do that will increase my well-being? And this, this includes like relating to anxiety, what I can subtract, alcohol use, and what I can add, getting an eight-hour rest. Um, I can add meditation, five minutes. I got five minutes a day that I can add. So this is step two of the four noble truths to think about what's causing this suffering that I do have control over. Number three, and this is just beautiful. Buddha says, stop doing these things that are causing your suffering. Stop doing it. So if you don't have enough time, stop volunteering for stuff that don't pay your bills and that you can't do a good job at. If you are um, too busy, stop doing projects for which you have no time. If you're fat, stop drinking beer. If you are um, don't have enough money, stop spending things uh, that you don't need to. Look at the cause of your financial suffering. Stop using your credit card. Now, this seems incredibly obvious, but this is something that took me 45 years to figure out before I even began to try to figure it out. And I'm still a work in progress. But once you start thinking about this way, the four noble truths, and the first three are what I'm gonna focus on, it is mind-blowing. You start approaching everything this way. If I'm fat, what? go into your refrigerator and look at those things. What are those things causing me to be fat? If I don't have enough time, write down, what am I doing? It's just start with just a sketch of what you're doing throughout the day that you don't have today to do. One of the things my daughters told me, how long, how long were you on social media? You're spending so much time on this that doesn't add any value to your day. If you are drinking and you have three or four glasses of wine, you are not doing anything productive during that time. You are losing that time, not only as it occurs, but it also robs you of the time the next morning because you're not going to be as productive. So that's it. That is the four noble truths. One, everyone suffers in mind and body. Number two, if you are suffering, look at the origin and cause and effect. If you have, if you have, if you're stressed out or anxious, why? What are those things that you're doing that you don't have to do? Remember, 
everything you say yes to, you are saying no to something else. Do you understand that? Everything you say yes to, you are saying no to something else. So if you are agreeing to do the church choir, you are saying no to having dinner with your spouse on that Wednesday night. If you volunteer for the call committee, you are saying no to being available for your job. Everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Look at those cause and effect, and then stop doing those things that cause your suffering. Now, you may say like it, that this just is completely ridiculous. That's an obvious, but it is so true. Like, so for example, intermittent fasting completely changed my life. I was a total fat ass and I stopped eating and I learned a, a method of eating that could allow me to lose weight and control my weight at will and to get to a healthy body weight. And so, um, I stopped eating in a way in which I was eating throughout the day. And you thought, well, God, this is easier said than done. Well, the Buddha gets into this issue of craving and addiction. They address it. One of the things I love about, especially this particular book and, and Buddhism in general, and I'll include a link to it in the actual um, show notes of the book, is that it's very prescriptive uh, in terms of how you actually do this and what you need to do. It's literally a playbook. It's a cheat code. It tells you everything you do. You know, I have another book that I haven't read. It's called, now I'm not here to criticize Jesus. I'm a big fan of Jesus and I'm a big time Christianity. I'm a big time Christian. So I'm, you know, don't think I'm like, you know, God, this guy's some sort of heathen. This is a book I'm going to read. It's called Jesus is the Question. So Jesus is just the opposite of Buddha in the sense that Jesus was asked, 307 questions and he only answered three. He never told you. Were you ever, did you ever sit in class like, teacher, teacher, like, I want to know the answer. Well, that wasn't the kind of teacher. Jesus was like kind of a law school professor. Every single question you have, he would respond with another question or a story. So I, don't get me wrong. I love Jesus. Great guy, son of man, son of God. I love big, big Jesus, dude. I love Jesus. So I'm not criticizing Jesus. But Jesus did not provide the answers. Buddha, on the other hand, Buddha gives you a playbook. Buddha is like, you could do it, and here's how you do it. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh my God, I thought you said there was the four noble paths, the four noble truths. You've only mentioned three. Let's review now, class. Suffering, everyone suffers. It's universal to the human experience. Phil Stutz calls this the shadow self. Number two, look at the origin of your suffering. And number three, stop doing those things that cause you to suffer. So if you have a, you know, if you have a, someone uh, that is really toxic in your life, stop interacting with them. If they're toxic, stop. Don't interact with them. So that's three. Where do we get to four? Well, four, I'm going to kind of punt on. But I am going to, um, I'll probably do subsequent podcasts on this, but the title of books is Transforming Your Suffering into Peace, Joy, and Liberation. Transforming it. 
And so the Buddha gets into that. So once you address the suffering, it's kind of like developing a foundation for this path of your own internal liberation so that you can put, you can do what you were put on this earth to do. And Buddha calls this the noble eightfold path. There's all these sorts of things where Buddha talks about um, various things you need to do. And then he gives you specific um, uh, recommendations on how to do it. So Jesus does not, or Jesus, Buddha does not hide the ball. So after you address the suffering in the first three, he talks about the noble eightfold path. And for this, I'm just going to review it in order to like build your life. So essentially, he basically says, caulk up the negativity boat in your life. Those things, because if you're suffering, it's hard to like thrive if you're suffering. You know, there's a lot of like people that say like, ew, you know, writers suffer. I have to suffer. Well, most of the time, you don't. You're not, you're not really productive when you're suffering. You're productive when you get into a flow state, like I am right now. I'm in a flow state. That is where you're really productive, not where you're um, really suffering and you're miserable. That's when you turn to alcohol, and that is not going to do, do you any good. So Buddha says for step four, after you've addressed the suffering, the origin, and tried to stop doing those things that cause you to suffer, you look at the noble eightfold path, right view, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right diligence, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So here's what's beautiful about this. You're thinking, what's right? What's right? Yeah, they give prescriptions in terms of what's right. You know, Tick talks a lot about, you know, alcohol and, and the toxic poisons you put into your body. But if you engage in a meditation practice, you think about what's right for you after you're engaging in this mindfulness. So mindfulness is twofold. It's not only looking at those negative sources in your life, but it's also identifying what are those things that give me joy, peace, and liberation. In my case, it's producing the podcast for you. This gives me joy, peace, and liberation. That's why I do it. Because this is my dharma. This is what I was put on this earth to do, to share what I've learned with you so that you can enhance your mind, your body, and your spirit. That is what I like to do. But each one of us has this calling to do this gift, to do what we were put on this earth to do. And so that's why if you have a young person, I don't care what age they are, I don't care if they're 85, like that's like 89. I don't know whether he's going to, you know, I, hopefully he can benefit from this. But I don't care if you're, I'd say pretty much from 18 all the way up to you got a year left to live. This benefits everyone. And the question is, in my mind, obviously, Buddhism is one of the world's great religions. Why isn't it more common? Because this, in terms of psychology, this is... This wheel, this is a rule book. This is a template that is 2,600 years old that will provide a lot of the answers. And, and the best part about it, it's not external. It's a path for you to chart your own course. It's mind-blowing. My only theory on that is, is that 
so many Buddhists that you see in the United States are kind of like vegan, you know, like professors, like, you know, and they're kind of like, they like solar panels and they quiver their butt cheeks and they, they ride around in their electric car and they're kind of know-it-alls. Like, I'm sure if a Buddhist professor from like Columbia would review this, he'd be like, oh no, you got it all wrong. You don't understand one aspect of Buddha. It's totally wrong. I've studied among the great scholars. So, and it ends up being some skinny, you know, vegan or some asshole professor. And it's such a total turnoff. It is such a total turnoff. And so unfortunately, just like Christianity, sometimes the greatest apostles are the worst, are the worst transmitters of the message. Because I think this particular level of review, uh, I don't care whether you're, you know, Chuck or, Taylor or some dude at, you know, the quick star or the Ernie kind of saloon, you would benefit from this. And I think there's a lot of misery in the lives of men because they don't think about this. They don't use this approach. You know, there's that movie, Walter Mitty, where at the end of the book, the thing he had been searching for the entire time was in his billfold. It was in his back pocket. That is so Buddhist. That is so Buddhist. So much of what we're searching for we already have within us. Now, if my friend Kevin is listening, I'm not saying listen to the God within you and there's no external God. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that God plants the seed within us that tunes us to what his calling is for us. And I believe that's what he did to Buddha. He transmitted this. And I think this would be so many people would find their way back to the Christian church if they adopted this type of approach. Well, I, I'm going to do a review on this book, Martin Copenhaver, Jesus is the Question. But that is, I think, one of the things that people struggle with Christianity. Why does people, good people suffer? Why can you still believe and still suffer like Job, right? If you believe, you won't suffer. Buddha kind of does that on its hat, on, on its half, on its face, and basically, says, no, actually, suffering is life. It's part of it. Everyone suffers. It's natural. Now, it's not embracing it forever, and it's not saying you should suffer forever. It does say you have the things that you can control to address it through this process of mindfulness review, and the best way to kind of get there is through a journal through meditation, through reflection, so that you can look and assess what the origins are of what's bothering you. And if you are weak, you need to work on your muscles. This sounds obvious, but so many people are looking for a magic pill. You know, I've been holding off on doing uh, my third Tankana Lee episode. It has, now Tankana Lee is this natural sus supplement to increase your testosterone naturally. And I did a 30-day Tankarali episode and I put it on the internet and it's it's not, it hasn't gone viral, viral, but it's like a thousand percent views more than anyone in one of my other podcasts. All the rest is totally bomb. And I think about why is this the one that took off when I've had so many other good ones that have totally bombed? And I think the reason is, is that so much of the Western culture is looking for a quick fix, right? Looking something outside themselves.
They're chasing happiness. Whereas Buddhism encourages you to recognize the happiness that is already in front of you. You have all you need right now to be able to experience it through right mind and through stopping and reflecting and looking all around you at the beauty of life. And once you approach life this way, you will never think differently. But you can't buy a pill. You can't pay someone to make you happy. You can't acquire a thing to make you happy. This is something that I'm going to be doing a podcast or a book review on Jimmy Buffett, uh, Pirate Turns 50. Jimmy died like in the last year or so of cancer. And the reason why I'm doing it on Jimmy Buffett is that I think Jimmy, he had an incredible life. He lived the life that most people think they want to live. You know, which is basically get drunk in a bar in some tropical paradise. And I assume he got laid all the time. But I would be really curious to read that book. You know, when, when you have someone who lives what seemingly is the perfect life, are they really happy? Have they really found what they're looking for? You know, I'm also going to do a episode on Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway did all sorts of really cool shit. And a lot of the time he was totally miserable. In large part, I think it was due to his alcoholism. That's probably one of the saddest parts of Ernest Hemingway's life is the alcoholism. He lived in Key West for like 10 years and towards the end of it, he was like, eh, Key West. He lived in beautiful places throughout the world and was still miserable because he wasn't really engaging in this process of mindfulness. Maybe if he, and I think he would have been just as good a writer had he um, not been miserable. I don't think misery is misery is what moves us forward. And I think if you aren't engaging in enough discomfort, you're not growing. But he was miserable a lot of the times. And I think had he really addressed and studied Buddhism, I don't think he would have been as miserable as he was. And he finally offed himself. And you can say, well, that's genetic. He was depressed. But he had an alcohol issue because he really, he was trying to use alcohol to remove suffering when he could have used mindfulness for that. So friends, that's this episode of the Rockney Cast. If you've listened this far, please give me positive reviews on Apple, Spotify, and all places where podcasts are, are heard. Do buy this book. I'll probably do more podcasts on this. This book is so good. I'll include links in the um, description. And if you buy it, like I'll get a portion of the flow. How cool is that on Amazon? But this is such a good book. And this is also a great book to give to your teenager, to your college student, to someone in their 30s, to someone in retirement. It really covers, and it's not just for dudes, but I think dudes can benefit because there's a lot of dudes that are really kind of fucked up. And it's because they're they're not engaging in mindfulness. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here to tell you, Bubba, Bubba could benefit from Buddhism. So maybe I'll make a new religion called Bubba Bubba Buddhism. This is for dudes. Dudes need to study Buddhism and buy this book. Share it with other people. This book will totally transform your life. It is so good. So read this book called The Heart of Buddhist Teaching. Transforming Suffering into Peace, Joy, and Liberation. And it's pronounced, I believe, Tick, not Titch. I still call them Tits sometimes, but I think it's Tick. You know, like your lady's kind of Tick. 
Yeah, just like that. Tick not on. And plus, you'll be able to be at a dinner party and say, oh, my God, if you were at the work of Tech Not On. So when someone raises Foucault, you can say, oh, yeah, I've read Tech Not On. But this, this book is actually going to help you. And this is going to help you on your path to your own liberation. That's it for this episode of the Rockney Cast. Until next time, you and I see each other on the Rockney Cast.